As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am sitting in a Volkswagen white bug right now, a Beetle. You guys remember those? But it looks like it's a new one, like a newer, like a 2017 or 2018 Beetle. From the outside, you can tell that it's a little bit spiffier than when they first came out. Not spiffier necessarily, but just different. You know, they, they always got to change and create a new model. Uh, that's, that's the world we live in. You know, you got to come out with a new model every year, guys. Your old product is no longer cool no matter what you do. No. Uh, if you don't have the iPhone X, you're a loser. And guess what? There's going to be a new one coming out in a couple months, and you're s stuck in a contract, so you're not cool. It's like the tide. You know, it's like the tide where there's the ups and the downs. You just got to roll with it. You, you get to be cool temporarily and then you're uncool. No, I'm kidding because being cool doesn't matter. And it's in, remember how last week I talked about it's a subjective thing? So externally and it's, it's not even true. You know, I think people are cool that have crappy phones. What I'm trying to say is I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, what I will tell you though is I am at the beach. I'm in Manhattan Beach right now sitting in this Rental whip, as I like to call it, this chick magnet. Uh, and I'm at my old stomping grounds where I used to live in Manhattan Beach, California. I'm watching the waves right now, watching the tide go in and out. It's a little bit of an overcast day. A great day for the beach, you know, when it's raining. But uh, though that may sound disingenuous, I think any day is a good day to be at the beach. Um, it's cool to see it in different, you know... Uh, if, if it's only sunny when you go to the beach, you don't get to appreciate the full experience. I'm watching, you know, there's some surfers out there, rain or shine, they're out there getting their reps in. Um, surfing's a, an interesting sport. I never really, or an interesting form of recreation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that guy did not catch the wave right there. Come on, guy, you're letting me down over here in my beetle. I wish I could get a, a mega speaker and be like, the fact that you tried catching that wave and you missed it, let me down. I'm a, I'm recording a podcast over here in this really awesome looking whip that attracts all the gold diggers in LA. Uh, do me a favor and catch the next wave. Otherwise, I'll be disappointed. Otherwise, I'm going to just continue on with my podcast. Uh, you guys ever try surfing? Surfing is, it's, it's, uh, it's not as easy as it looks. Um, you know, there's a whole art to it. Just like stand-up. The way we broke down stand-up comedy last week with Scott Ludhauser, um, surfing has a world of its own and jargon, terminology. Dude, it's like the best swells ever, bro. It's like, you, you like pull in. And then you just get spit right out of it. And you just like smack the lip, whoop! And then you just like drop down and get pitted, bro. It's like so sick. You just get pitted like that. 
Have you ever seen that uh, that surfer interview down in Huntington Beach? Type in, go to your phones right now, pause this podcast, and type in surfer interview Huntington Beach. And this dude is the funniest. Uh, he's not trying to be funny at all. He's just using his surfer jargon like everybody in the world knows it as he's talking about the swells that day. Um it's it's very funny. Uh Tosh Pointo did a, a thing on him and brought him to the show several years later, interviewed him and all this stuff. Uh the video went viral, obviously. Um because I only talk about viral things. Um that's not true. Uh but nevertheless, very funny stuff. Uh it's raining right now and my dashboard is starting to become I can't see the ocean as well, but I don't want to turn on the car to create noise. So I'm really in a dichotomy here, guys. Much like life, you know, where I I came over here to, you know, be inspired by the ocean. And yet, for you guys, I don't want to ruin the podcast by turning on the car and my windshield wipers and messing with the sound. You know what, guys? I think, I think it'll actually be better if I do this. Uh... Let's see here. Let's see. Oh, there we go. You know what? Sometimes you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. Have you heard of that before? Uh, If you're only serving others and never yourself, you're going to drain the well dry. And then you can't help others as much as if you could, as much as you could have if you also helped yourself along the way. So don't forget to, to help yourself, guys, is what I'm trying to say. Don't forget to turn on the whip and the windshield wipers so you can be inspired by the ocean, so you can give the listeners a much better podcast. This dude just caught the wave, looking looking snazzy out there, you know, just doing tricks, showing off, trying to get the chicks that aren't on the beach because it's a rainy day, showing off for, for the guy in the Volkswagen. Um, there's a lot of cars. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's any surfers out there right now in the water that are like, hey. I bet you that dude in the Volkswagen is a cool guy. <laughs> uh, I don't think that that is going through their mind. Did I ever tell you guys a story of when I went out? So I lived here. I used to walk to the beach. I worked from home when I lived out here. And I would walk to the beach before work. Uh, you know, I was supposed to work like normal normal hours. So sometimes I'd come out here before work and serve. Sometimes I'd do it during lunch or, or after uh after work one morning i got up met met some friends out here and we saw dolphins swimming out there it was a rainy day actually like this it was overcast it was beautiful you know serene um and we saw some dolphins jumping you know like 50 yards away or 100 yards away and it was it was cool i mean when you're out there surfing there's different feelings that you're feeling one you're getting tired because you're trying to get out there depending on how big the swells are brah Um, but you're trying to get out there past the swells into a little bit more of a calm area so that you can start to get settled in and then, you know, view, view a set, you know, waves usually come in sets. So, you know, you can see some waves coming and then uh, try to catch them once you've caught your breath and whatever, you know, not that that's the only way, but, uh, we're kind of doing our thing. We see the dolphins jump. We're too tired because we're trying to get out there. At least I was. And forgot about it quickly you know i'm focused on getting out there and i'm cold and trying to rid my mind of the idea that sharks are probably 
or have the ability to be around me at all times. It's all in your head, right? But the more scared you get, the more the more you can create a self-fulfilling prophecy probably. I don't know, right? If you're scared and you're like panicking out there in the water. Sharks sense that. They sense fear. Anyway, um, I don't know if they sense fear or not. But I heard that the way a swimmer reacts like they like if something's like graceful or whatever it creates less disturbance in the water so in a way there is kind of some truth to that potentially i don't know watch shark week if you want uh to to correct me on that nevertheless we're just trying to get out there and i see these dolphins jump out of the water right next to me i didn't know what it was at first i didn't know i just saw these two giant creatures jump out of the water out of nowhere I w- it was so quick and abrupt that I didn't even know how to react. I didn't know whether I was scared. Uh, all I it's stimulus response, just giant creatures are jumping out of the water at me is is was what went through my mind. And I look over, stimulus response. I look over, and my eyes are adjusting to it. Right as they're flying through the air, they're like seven foot dolphins. They jumped out at the exact same time, like synchronized stuff, and they jumped literally maybe ten feet away from me, and then landed about a foot or two away from my feet i felt like when i saw them and my eyes adjusted i felt like i could reach out and almost touch them if i wasn't on my surfboard um my arm you know isn't long enough for that but it it felt so close that it it was amazing and it was i felt like they were so close that i could see their dolphin acne if that made sense you know you could see whatever blemishes uh existed on the surface and they just disappeared in the water that was the last any of us saw of them and it was like the closest any the dolphins had come to any of us from my awareness and now it's probably my highlight surfing um i think swimming with paying to swim with dolphins would be awesome but nothing can upstage like like being able to high five a dolphin out in the wild like that uh, and I don't mean to be cocky, but I think the dolphins just know that I'm a nice guy, you know? <laughs> I think the dolphins just wanted to come up and say hi to Mike Oldroyd. Give me, give me a high five and, and say that they, they're there, you know? It's possible that when dolphins are around, sometimes sharks are around. So um, dolphins are an animal of love. Sharks are an animal of fear. And I I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but, you know, I like all kinds of animals, especially animals that are symbolic. You know, I like uh, elephants. They're, uh, um, you know, a very, a very, um, you know, in like India, they're they're even worshipped. Elephants are very smart and they're emotional and and dolphins are also. um, And dolphins can defeat sharks. Talk about fear and love. I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it enough on this podcast, but dolphins actually can defeat sharks, and sharks are afraid of dolphins. Did you guys know that? It's a it's a crazy thing to know that dolphins um, can defeat sharks, and that sharks are afraid of dolphins. Sharks are actually kind of they're kind of wusses in some ways. They're a predator animal, but they actually close their eyes that when they go in for an attack. I don't know if you knew that. And that was something that we used to joke about when we played football. It's like, hey, dude, did you close your eyes, you know, when you went in for the hit? <clears throat> Sharks close their eyes. Um, there, There's like a membrane that gets pulled back when they go in to take a bite of something. 
So um, keep that in mind if you're ever attacked by a shark. You can uh, you can call him a pussy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, excuse my language. Uh, dolphins, though, the, the way that they defeat sharks is they're very agile. So I think sharks can swim at faster speeds when they're going straight ahead full speed, if I'm not mistaken. But dolphins are much more agile. They're like uh, Michael Oldroyd as, as a wide receiver. Uh, my 40 time wasn't that wasn't as fast as J-Mac, Jeremy Macklin, but my three cone test, my agility test was, was damn quick. Uh, and you know, those are like dolphins, you know, they're very agile back and forth. So what dolphins will do is they'll come up underneath a shark and they will, you know, they'll swim really quickly. And then like the shark won't even see where they are and they'll come up and they will use their snout, their nose, bottle nose, whatever. Uh, and they'll just ram them they'll ram them like up underneath their either stomach or their their throat area i don't know the term for that on a shark or into the sides of their gills and um what it causes you do that once or a couple times if you hit it the right spot it'll create internal bleeding i mean they'll ram them you know like sean witherspoon making a tackle you know in the nfl these dolphins will just like they're brave, you know, they're very brave and they'll come up underneath the shark and just ram them until the shark bleeds to death internally and gets eaten by other sharks. Um, so yeah, dolphins are protectors. They are animals of love. Love is greater than fear, right? Um, not to say that, you know, a, every dolphin has, every, has won every single um, duel with a shark but dolphins also travel in packs sharks are usually predators um so dolphins you know that makes sense because dolphins are animals of love they're they're uh you know they protect their they protect their own and and people sometimes remember that story about alien gonzalez when he came to the u.s he was saved by some dolphins or at least in the tv movie that was created about him maybe they just did that to make it more dramatic but what i'm trying to say is when there are dolphins around there's also potentially sharks around, um, potentially, not necessarily, but you can still feel safe. Um, so that's my spiel about dolphins. That's why I have a dolphin, a giant wooden dolphin in my apartment. I remember when I was in New York, uh, th these pop-up street markets will happen all the time. Oftentimes for me, I don't even know that there's gonna be a, a pop-up flea market or you know street selling vendors until it's the day of it i saw this dude i saw this dude well i saw this dolphin it caught my eye i was just walking past to see if anything caught my eye right like window shopping for a flea market uh, it was a couple years ago and i saw this wooden dolphin and i was like wow how much for the wooden dolphin bro and he's like 80 bucks and i was like i'll take it and he looked surprised you know <laughs> I think he looked surprised, and he got very excited by that, you know? I didn't even inspect the dolphin. It wasn't, like, in a case or anything. And later, I realized that one of the fins was completely, like, broken and glued back together. Uh, and I think one of the reasons he was surprised is I don't think he... I mean, I don't think he was being, like, a bad salesman there. It was just... It was kind of buyer beware, right? Like, I should have known to take a look at the dolphin, and then, two. Most people negotiate, but I got so excited by the dolphin that I, I got overzealous. I got overzealous by this dolphin, and it's in my apartment now. And you know what? 
I accept that dolphin flaws and all because it reminds me of the dolphins that jumped out of the water. They had some acne, right? So like that fin that's kind of like broken is... Guys, what I'm trying to say is I love the dolphins for their imperfections because their imperfections are the things that make them perfect. Have you guys ever heard that about love? Um, when you describe love, that's... Uh, it's one of the things that you'll often hear. Speaking of that, I'm going to a wedding today, and that's what brings me out to California. Um, there's a bird over here just uh, walking around trying to eat some scraps off the ground. If I had uh, some bread, I'd toss it to him, you know? Actually, I do have bread. Hmm. But I don't, he, I don't know. He, he looks like he's doing all right. I have to get out of the car. It's a little bit colder today, and he's like 40 feet away, and I don't want to scare him. I don't want to stop this podcast so that I can rip off a piece of this food that I have and go feed it to him. But I'm tempted. Isn't that weird? So it's creating this, like, temporary... What do they call that when you're, like, in an in-between um, limbo? I'm creating a... This bird... I'm allowing this bird to create a, a podcast limbo right now. Uh, rather than moving, he's walking away. Uh, I would like to, I'm going to move forward with my podcast. I'm going to go ahead and just move forward. I'm going to turn the car on and, uh, you know, get rid of some of this water real quick, which, all right, mission accomplished. So yeah, uh, going to a wedding today. Um, very excited. It's my cousin's wedding. Talked about love years ago and i'm very excited that he's uh he's found it and we're gonna we're gonna have a great time it's always good to see family right that's that's what brought me out here got some family down here in southern california we've had some good thanksgivings together in the past uh, amongst many other things um but um that's what brings me down here and uh yeah i'm gonna uh Rather than flying out tomorrow, I'm actually going to drive to Arizona to see my sister and her kids and my family uh, out there. So getting, uh, getting a good uh, double whammy, right? Um, anyway, uh, today's episode is episode 48. Uh, episode 48. 48 is a very special number for me, guys. We talked about it in episode 31. That was my college football number was 31. So that was a special, special episode. But 48 uh, has a very significant meaning. You know, shout out to Caleb Medley. He was number 48 at Mizzou. I wore 48 when I first dressed at Mizzou, which was symbolic and meaningful. I think it was, it's, it's much bigger than me. The fact that I wore 48 uh, is much bigger than me. It's about... Eureka football, ultimately, and Andy Beto. Uh, and I don't need to say the same thing that I said in episode 31 again, but Andy Beto uh, is uh, is a symbol of the Eureka football program. Um, you know, he was uh, one of those guys. I didn't know him. You know, he, he was before my time, but I know the stories of how he... Uh, um, embodied the heart and soul of our football program and the unselfishness of what it was to be a team player and a big brother to the younger guys and you know never surrendering right um he passed away 
uh, on the football field. Uh, actually had a, a brain aneurysm. Uh, nobody uh, knew it, and it's one of those really sad and touching stories. Um, but he never surrendered, and just a tough, tough person, you know. And we commemorate him and his family every year at homecoming. At halftime, there's an Andy Beto Award, and everyone is reminded as we honor him and his memory um, and what it means, you know, the certain players that step up and are the best leaders get to, um, you know, be awarded the Andy and the Andy Beto award. So, uh, by wearing those numbers, which was even out of my control at Mizzou, um, when I first dressed, uh, you know, I was just, I was representing Eureka and magically, uh, in the movie McFarland, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I, I think one of the last times I was out in California was to film the movie, film my part in the movie McFarlane with Kevin Costner. Um, and there was two jerseys for me to choose from, number 82 or number 48. And uh, I chose 48, of course, you know, easy choice. 82, Martin Rucker, shout out to him. I was, you know, Martin Rucker's been a huge uh, support of me, uh, you know, when I filmed the Kansas City comedy special, Martin Rucker was just the <laughs> the just his laughter was contagious. He was loud. He just had this loud, powerful laugh. I just wanted to give him like that big, gigantic Mizzou drum to just beat during my during my comedy set, you know. But he was essentially doing that with his with his laughter. So uh, maybe the drum would have been a, a little bit ridiculous. Uh, nevertheless, though. Um, I, I do want to go back to Beto for a quick sec. I, I still think about him, you know, he's still a, a part of me and, and, you know, keeps me, his memory keeps, keeps me, uh, grounded from time to time, um, in what's important. Um, his family they give out a scholarship every year. So my senior year, I actually had uh, the the luxury of getting uh, an, uh, the Andy Beto scholarship going into going into my first year of college at Mizzou. So that was a, a really big honor. And you know, there's a part of that, that that scholarship helped pay for my school. It helped pay. I was essentially since I was since I had walked on and I wasn't. It was I was not a scholarship athlete. Uh, Andy Beto was helping pay my tuition, uh, his memory, you know, uh, his family. Um, so it, it, that matters, right? That matters. And I'm very thankful for that. I like to think that I, I did my best to use it properly and not have it be in vain, you know, for, for the for the spirit of fighting, you know, like Rudy, um, to become something at Mizzou, you know, did, did what I can, you know, I did my time. It's funny when you look back on your life, you, you don't want to live a life of regrets, you know, and coming out here to LA, you know, I, I was out here f for three and a half, four years pursuing my dream. You know, it brings back, it brings back memories and feelings of who you were at that time, you know, and I, you know, when I look back, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for trying. First of all, um, I'm proud of myself for giving it my best shot at the time. I'm 31 now. I think I left LA when I was like 26. 
uh, 27 maybe. And, you know, I, I'm older now, so I've learned more and there's, there's things I would do different. Like if I was talking to my 23 year old version of me, uh, I would sit down and have a, a serious conversation about what I thought I needed to do to make it. But the thing is, is one, that's not in no way is that a regret, right? It's, it's just experience and wisdom. I, I, I did everything I thought I needed to do at the time. Uh, and the reason I even talk about this is because, you know, I moved out here to, to be successful in comedy, you know, same thing when I walked on in the, to the Missouri Tigers, I wanted to play in the NFL someday. That's what I set out to do. Um, and I did my best at it. I did what I thought I needed to do. I, I, ch I made the decisions that I thought were best at the time. And as you mature, you, you, you learn things, right? My, my job experience, I've been able to take my experiences and apply to them to my job, but I've also learned things in life and through my, my career, um, you know, other ways to use tools to be successful. Um, which I apply moving forward in life. And I think that's what it's about is taking the things you've learned. And from time to time, we'll look back. You know, I come out here to L.A., like I said, and I look back and I would have sat down with myself. And these are the things I probably would have said. First of all, I was at a different point in my life then. I was really heartbroken, you know, at the time. And that really, it, 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 it held me back a lot. You know, I was I was really homesick. And I... Um, it was, it was real tough to get over, you know, to get over that, uh, achy heart of mine. Um, and I, I had some life that I still needed to live. Uh, right. So the advice that I would have given to my 23 year old self, if I wanted to become famous is first of all, I would have said, dude, you need to audition every single day. Like <laughs> you need to be, the only thing you should be doing is auditioning every single day until you get a part. Um, but I, I couldn't have taken that advice at the time, right? This would apply to where I am now in life, I guess, right? Um, which I can, my, I haven't given up. I'm in New York, um, giving it a true stab. So really what I need to be doing is auditioning more often and building my reel. Um, because I think, um, getting the exposure, uh, is what's going to help move me forward while I'm honing the stand-up comedy craft, like continue working on stand-up very hard. But when I was out here, this is where TV and film is stand-up's great for New York, but really I should, like, I would have told myself, Mike, if you can handle it, which I couldn't have at the time, you know, like I said, I had some living to do. I had some heart mending to do. Um, I had some fun to have and some memories to create, but I would say if you can just th like throw all that out the window temporarily and just take like six months or a year or two years and just forget everything and just audition nonstop, like don't, you know, that's what I think someone would need to do if they really want to make it in LA, you know, and you need to stop having fear. I think sometimes when people move out here, they fall into this rut of, you build fear up in your head. Um, you got you to stop living in fear. If you're going to go out there and surf, don't be thinking about the sharks. If it crosses your mind, sure. I mean, I think it's good to be aware of the fact that sharks are out there. Yes, you can die. Yes, there are potentially hidden rocks under there that if you fall off your surfboard and hit your head, 
you know, know the terrain that you're surfing in. That's part of it, right? But just let it rip, baby. Let it rip and just uh, don't let fear stop you. So many people, you know, it's not just about facing your fears. Like literally just like don't even let fear change your heart rate if you can, right? And that's that's practice. But if you can not let it affect you or even acknowledge it, um, you know, going back to that analogy of focusing on the goal, right? Don't take your eye off that goal. Just keep hitting it. Keep moving forward. Keep taking stabs and, and throwing darts right at that goal. Um, you know, the only way you have to go is up. So I'm not, I think it's good that I'm not bitter having failed by some definitions of the sense of making my dream come true out here. Um, you know, I'm still going. I haven't quit. And I think the only time you ever fail is when you quit. But you need to learn from the small failures. Um, you know, I've still got friends out here. We went out last night. It was good to see. Like, we went to the improv for a little bit and saw one guy who um, I knew, you know, when I was out here. He, he, he's been out here for eight years now. I guess we moved out here around the same time. I moved out to L.A. like eight years ago. And he's in, you know, he's touring the country, doing stand-up comedy. He's in the improv, doing spots, uh, you know, and around town. So, you know, it happens, guys. Uh, it's a stepwise thing, and it's encouraging to see uh, those types of successes, right? Um, nevertheless, uh, I, I think that that's uh, worth mentioning. I remember uh, when I moved out here, I moved out here with Chris Blackerby, and we've done an episode together before, talked about that whole thing, um, you know, shortly after I had broken up with uh, with my college GF. Um, stayed in Columbia for a year after I graduated, living the dream, didn't want to leave her, uh, you know, I figured I'd graduate on time and just, you know, enjoy college, give it one last victory lap as they call it you know instead of doing the five-year plan where I'm taking classes may as well just get done on time and then do the victory lap and do whatever I want so I was working at this cookie shop uh with my buddy Kyle Adams um he was in AKL uh in college and we uh you know we worked at this cookie shop um called Hotbox Cookies and I was the delivery guy I was the the uh, multi-purpose, you know, I was going around making cookies, you know, preparing cookie dough. Uh, we even started a, a little uh, comedy show in Columbia, Missouri called the Hot Box Comedy Show, right? And Kyle and I had built a stage together. Um, we went to Home Depot. It's funny because we, we have different ways of looking at things. But nevertheless, we put our minds together, built a stage, much appreciated, you know, for his help with that. And started doing this uh, hotbox comedy show once every couple of weeks, so that was a lot of fun, you know. And that was shortly before I left for LA um, with Chris. But you know, we moved out to LA. We moved to Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard. Found this one. Actually, we were, was it a one bedroom? I think we were renting a one bedroom apartment, uh, and both of us were living in it. I think Chris was living in the living room. And I can't even remember how we decided, but I got the bedroom. Uh, and 
it was there on Edgemont Street, Edgemont near the corner of Edgemont and uh, Sunset, so East Hollywood, not quite as far as um, the cool area. What's it called? Silver Lake. Um, nevertheless, though, you know, Chris and I had lived in there. Our neighbors were ridiculous. We had these two gay guys that lived across from us. I think I've talked about it before where they're always fighting, you know, wake up at 7 a.m. Get up! Everything's wet! Everything's wet, you idiot! Help! You hear some plates breaking, but like, it's like the boy who cried wolf, you know, even though plates breaking sounds terrible, like, it happens so often, like, we're all desensitized to it, but we, it still would bother us. So we were desensitized in a way that we knew that he didn't actually need help, but we were not desensitized in a way that it was extremely annoying, but funny. And I think I told you that I wanted to record it and somebody actually beat me to the punch. And one day I'm sitting there listening to them fighting. And then all of a sudden I heard like the same guy's voice, like twice, like there was two of them. Which was weird because the other guy never spoke during their fights. It was like almost, he, he, he was more like, leave me alone. Like once, one out of ten lines, you know. Um, but the gay dude, the, the gay guy one would say, he had four phrases. Get up, everything's wet, fuck off, everything's wet, or, or you idiot. Uh, which I don't think you can, if you're the one who's upset, you can't fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, he can only be the one that fucks off if he's the one with the problem. <laughs> if there's a guy sleeping and the guy who's upset is, like, upset, he's up yelling at him, he can't tell the guy who's laying down to fuck off, if that makes sense. But either way, um, that guy had recorded the fight, and I was, like, I went out into our little porch area because the way it worked, our, our apartment complex is our porch were all connected like on a four square grid you know there was still like a little fence thingy but it was open so you could hear people would open their own screen doors um and you could hear when people were watching tv or what have you and uh this guy's blasting the thing i go out there say hey man are you are you did you record the fight um one of the fights and are you blasting it through your stereo and he's like yeah these guys are ridiculous like we were having a conversation as if the guys didn't couldn't hear us um anyway i was like can i get a copy of that sometime i'd love to like use that for something in entertainment because it's so unique and, and bizarre uh he's like yeah anytime but he never gave me the thing which kind of frustrated me um and i remember I heard the screen door open of where the two gay guys lived, uh, which made me nervous, so I disappeared into my apartment. But I could still hear if there was talking because it was a screen door. And I just hear somebody go, Excuse me? Did somebody say they've been recording our fights? And there was no response. You know, the guy uh, that lived next to us didn't respond to that. I didn't respond to that. And that was it. You know, it was just a rhetorical question that just went into our eardrums and disappeared into the universe. <laughs> but anyway, I bring up Chris um, because uh, when we were living in that, I was hustling. I mean, it's not like I wasn't going on auditions. I was, do like I said, I was doing what I needed, what I thought I needed to do at the time. I was trying to get spots and, you know, I was doing stuff regularly. I was getting spots at the belly room at the comedy store, 
you know, I've performed in all three of those rooms, the original room, um, the main room, and, and also um, the belly room. The belly room's my favorite. That's where they filmed the new Dave Chappelle comedy special, so I've farted on that same stool that Dave Chappelle uh, was sitting on uh, in his most recent comedy special. Um, that room's fun. It's really fun to do comedy in there. Um, yeah, I stopped by there last night, actually. Um, so I was trying to get spots, you know, trying to work my way into uh, the improv, you know, meeting guys like Gerard Carmichael, who's got his own show now, and he's got a couple HBO stand-up comedy specials. He was always really nice. Um, you know, trying to work, you know, different clubs around town, did the Ice House, Ha Ha Cafe, um... All of them, you know, bar shows, open mics, everything. I remember at one point, I was doing like 20 mics a night or a, a week at one point. Or, sorry, not 20 mics, 20, getting on stage 20 times a week. There was this place called Marty's, and you could pay a couple bucks. You could pay them to do comedy. And it was all about getting stage time, getting in those reps. It's like a gym membership, you know, working on stuff. Um, and... Uh, the way that I got the, the McFarland gig was from this backstage audition, which I still use backstage in New York, and that's where I've done a couple. I did a play, you know, a sketch of New York, and then I was in this short film out in New York called, uh, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Waking Up with Serge. Serge something was our director, um, a, a student at NYU Film or, um the New York Film Academy. Anyway, yeah, that just finished, so that was cool. My mom was happy to see I had some speaking. I had some FaceTime. Anyway, so that backstage is how I got that, and that's what I was using out here. Um, I found this, like, audition for this Google spec spot, and James Parker was the director. He was the one that put out the, the casting call for it, and I think... Cast Studios is where the audition was, C-A-Z-T in Hollywood. So I show up, you know, kind of, you know, at that point I was kind of still in physically better shape and tan. I'm not tan at all. I'm trying to stay from the, stay away from the sun now. But anyway, I was looking good is what I'm trying to say, mofo. Yeah, you feel? Uh, anyway, I went into the audition and, and James Parker, James Michael Parker was in there with his assistant or whatever and um, we connected, you know, uh, I did the audition there was some improvisation into it and he liked me as a person, but you know, he's like, how long have you been acting? Do you have experience training? I was like, no, he's like, well, I'm not putting you in this, this film if you don't have experience, which is a lesson guys. Um, but I like you and I'm going to take you under my wing. So he, we became friends. Um, and he introduced me to his roommate, a dude named Mike. Sheldon, who was also kind of doing some of the work, you know, they were like PAs and um, James was a, a director, you know, he went to film school and, and whatnot. Um, and we would hang out, you know, we were actually going to move in together, all three of us at one point. Um, they've worked on tons of projects in LA. Mike uh, works for uh, sports studio casting they do all the football movies so through that connection and through that friendship you know james had me pa one time so i got to see how a commercial works you know i was like running around like being a grip or whatever i don't even know what that means 
I, I bought, the, I got this book on Hollywood jargon, film jargon that I need to read on the plane or something. I, I was going to do that. And I got distracted by this girl that was sitting next to me, which I'll talk about later. Nevertheless, and sorry that I'm talking with such a drab voice. Maybe I need to create a little bit more spunk. Maybe I need to give you guys a little bit more juice here. So anyway, Mike Sheldon, I, I auditioned for like some commercial they were looking, they use former athletes, like former football players to do the real scenes and commercials and movies, right? They've worked on all the movies, all the football movies, Friday Night Lights, everything, TV shows. Um, and, you know, Mike Sheldon got me an audition or made me aware of an audition that turned into, we didn't know what it was for, but it turned into an audition for The Amazing Spider-Man. That's the one with Andrew Garfield and is it Emma Stone, I think? Uh, and of course, you know, we show up and it's about looking, it's about looking like a football player and looking good while pretending to be a football player, which is, which was unique. Um, but, uh, of course I did awesome at that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, I was able to, you know, they, they casted me as one of the extras in the amazing Spider-Man and we got to do a, one scene. I remember showing up that day. Uh, and it was like going back to high school. You know, they had like, they cast people that fit the parts, right? So you have your separation of groups, like the jocks, the cheerleaders, the the athletes, like the different groups that uh, you would see in like the Not Another Teen Movie type thing, which is a hilarious movie, by the way. Um, and it was cool. I was... I, in Hollywood, I, I didn't find too many, like, former football player types. So it took me a while. I was still, like, in that college mindset in a lot of ways. And I, I didn't feel as comfortable uh, as I do now, kind of being in New York with such a diverse group of people. Um, and maybe that held me back a little bit, too, right? I'm just coming straight from, like, Missouri football days into somewhat of the real world. Um Nevertheless, though, it was fun. We got to get down on the field, and, you know, it took all day to shoot. And it was my first experience watching how Hollywood kind of works, I guess you could say. And all the little intricacies were interesting to me. Like, oh, Andrew Garfield's, like, listening to his iPod in between scenes. You know, every time they film, he puts his iPod in his ears. Isn't that interesting? Um, but nevertheless, it was, it was fun. And, and that's what led to being able to fly back out here to do McFarlane and meeting Kevin Costner, wearing number 48. Um, and I remember before I went to that audition, I was hustling. You know, I had that, like, grind, that hunger. You know, I was like, I need to look up this. I need to see what auditions there. I took the time to read the auditions. I took the time to go, okay, here's one that looks like something that I can do, which is that Google spec commercial. They're looking for somebody with comedy experience, improv experience. You know, I find that. I hit him up. I'm like, dude, I'm your guy. And James was like, dude, I don't know why I looked at your email because I get hundreds, I get so many emails, but something about you stood out to me. Uh, I think it was your football experience or the way you approach it. And just, I was like, I want to see what this guy's about. You know, he gave me a bunch of advice and all this stuff. Um, he's still out here um, doing his thing. Um, but it was very, whoa, I think I just saw dolphins. I'm gonna have to keep, whoa, dolphins, guys. <laughs> Two of them. Wow, that's awesome. Um, kind of like uh, 
that day that I was uh, out there in the water. That's crazy. The dolphins are going toward the surfers. Let's see if they pop pop up again. Anyway, I'll let you guys know if I see them. They're, uh, I can't say they're mysterious creatures, but they're awesome creatures. I can tell you that much. And who doesn't love freaking dolphins? Anyway, you guys, um, did you like the the true enthusiasm that hopefully shined through when I saw those dolphins earlier. I haven't seen them pop up again. Um, and I didn't see them get as close to anybody as they did to me that day, so I'm, I'm not jealous. Um, I'm kidding, guys. Jealousy is not healthy, right? Jealousy is... Uh, I'd be very excited if, if I saw some, some, some dolphins jump out of the water and land like a foot away from some surfer's foot. I would feel a little bit less special. No, uh... I don't think that happens, even if it happened today. I don't think it happens very often where they get that close uh, to a stranger. Um, but they're brave. Uh, they're definitely brave creatures. I think jumping that close is... Uh, they're not being cocky when they do that, but they're confident, if that makes sense. The dolphins were confident by being able to jump that close to me. Um, confidence recognize, recognizes confidence, Sen. Anyway, though, the ocean, man, it's alluring, you know, the infinite. When I was a little kid, I, and I grew up in Northern California, so I, I grew up near water, um, I guess, my whole life. The ocean, when I was a little kid, was, was a little intimidating for me because it was such a big entity and such a powerful and unknown thing that it makes you... I couldn't wrap my mind around it very much as a kid, Um Obviously, I don't feel that way now. Um, I just think it's beautiful, and it's it's an amazing part of Earth, right? It's it's absolutely. We got to take care of it, guys. We got to take care of our of our of our world, you know. Um, nevertheless, though, flying out here, I almost missed my flight. I don't know if nevertheless is the right word there, but I almost missed my flight uh, on the... Uh, what am I talking about? I did miss my flight, sorry. I didn't realize that you have to be there, like, it was Delta, at least 15 minutes before takeoff. So I, I wasn't even late to the airport. In fact, I made it on time. I was taking my sweet time. I was, like, in the Delta lounge, just, like, stocking up on a meal and stuff. I'm just, like, walking down casually to the gate, like, 10 minutes before the flight takes off, and the door closes as I'm walking up, there's one person in front of me, and they let her in, and they're like, sorry, we're done. I'm like, what? The flight's not leaving for 10 minutes. So I missed my freaking flight. They were like, nope, please please get out of my presence. You know, that's the vibe I got. So I went and got some help. They put me on the next flight. I got, I got a ticket on the next flight. I was in one of the nicer seats, like Delta Comfort, but since I missed the flight, I had to fly in freaking economy with all the peasants. I'm kidding, guys. Um... We're all one, you know? Uh, but it was cool uh, that I was able to get on the flight. And I think it was a blessing in disguise, to be honest. You know, whenever you're, like, riding, whenever you're traveling, I, th I don't know if you guys ever felt this or when you were single or if you are single, but you're always kind of, like, hoping that you're going to, like, sit next to, like, an attractive creature. And uh, sure enough, this girl, and it was, like, two seats right that the plane was pretty big so it was like three it's like 
groups of like four seats and then two on the outsides, two and two, two, four, two type thing. Um, this girl was cute. So it was just her and I, and she was really friendly. It's a six an hour, six and a half hour flight. I was planning on doing some reading and maybe even watching a movie, taking a nap. We talked almost the entire flight and she wasn't just being nice, even though she's, I could tell she's a very nice girl, but we really, I think there was an, a level, different levels of attraction, not just physically, but also we connected. Like she's coming out here for a bachelorette party. She lives in New York. She literally lives like where I do comedy all the time. She lives in West Village, which is near Greenwich Village. Um, and like works at the World Trade Center, which is in financial district where I live. So like logistically speaking, it's like crazy how that lines up. Um, we talked about weddings and how all of our friends are married. She's like, she's going to be a maid of honor, uh, this weekend for this week. Well, this weekend is the bachelorette party, but she was a maid of honor last week and she's going to be the one for this weekend. So, you know, she's awesome. Obviously anybody that's a maid of honor when friends choose you, it's like the biggest compliment, best man and maid of honor are, you know, groomsmen is, is a, is a huge deal, but being the best man, being asked to be a best man or maid of honor, it's like, it's just, it just shows that you're awesome. I think, you know, life is one of the most important things is life about life is relationships. Those are the things that, that matter. I think, um, most family, friends. So, you know, mattering that much to somebody else, um, really at the end of life, I think just says a lot about you that, that, that's like, you matter, you know, yeah. If you matter to somebody, then you matter. I really, well, everyone matters regardless. Um, but I really think that if you matter to someone or somebody's like your life has meaning, you know, and to matter that much, just, it just says a lot about anybody. Anyway, you guys like how I get so emo when I'm at the beach? Oh, dude, it's like, you know, the ocean's like this big essence of majesty, dude. And like, you know, like, it's like infinite, you know, like each of us, you know, like there's this internal light that like flickers within all of us and we're like all one. So like when I'm out there on the waves and I'm like in a barrel getting pitted, it's like, dude, I'm one with mother nature right now. And like, there's nothing where you feel more grounded and, and close uh, to the, I went to this, uh, the Nike surfing national competition in Huntington beach. I think it was. And just listening to the announcer, I was laughing the entire time. He's like, Oh, we got, you know, he's like commenting like one person at a time goes, he's like, okay, is he going to get the next swell? I didn't know, dude. Oh my gosh. Like, did you see like how he flipped the deck there? And he's like doing a 180. <laughs> this guy's like really rad, dude. Like his approach is so unique. And I was just hearing him break down the the thing with surfer jargon, which I didn't even know that level of jargon. I, I, I just was like, dude, that, that guy's voice is real. He's not trying to be funny right now. Um, nevertheless, though, that girl and I uh, on the plane uh, had a great time uh, and talked about uh, comedy. She was so intrigued. I think a lot of people are intrigued by comedy. They love to hear about it. Um, and that makes, that's fun for me. I like, I like sharing when I, when I have the energy, 
um, uh, I like to share, especially with a, a girl that I'm attracted to, right? Um, there's a dolphin. I wonder if that's a dolphin or if it's a shark. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on that one. That one looked a little, little, little different. That was... Those surfers better get the heaven out of that water. <laughs> um, I'll keep you in the loop. Probably a dolphin. Um, nevertheless, though, the, the funny thing about what we did uh, on the plane is we were kind of looking for uh, a movie to watch. And she, she kind of, I feel like we almost started cuddling on the plane. Like, I feel like we started to, like, touch knees and not, like, move your knee away, if that makes sense. You know how when you're, like, on a plane and you, like, touch knees or you accidentally touch elbows and you immediately, it's like, it's like an electrocution thing where you retract immediately? Like, we were at one point just casually talking so much that our knees were touching. And I, I started to get kind of horny, to be honest, you know? <laughs> like, I, uh, there was a part of me that kind of wanted to just lean over and start making out with her. Um... But, um, I didn't do that, you know, um, naturally, but we were, I think she was like kind of leaning my direction without wanting to be weird, but she was like kind of hinting at leaning on me during the movie. Anyway, we chose a movie. She's like, I'll let you pick the movie, which is already showing that we're bonding, right? Like who, since when do you get on a, a plane with some, a, a stranger and during the flight, <laughs> the stranger's like, hey, can you pick my movie for me? I think you have good taste. <laughs> so we, there, we had the, the movies on the back of our seats, uh, and we chose Loving Vincent. It's that Vincent Van Gogh movie where it's a tribute to him where they took a lot of his paintings and made an animated movie and a story um, uh, to honor him. So we... <laughs> We both watched that movie and we started it. Like, we timed it so we could, like, start at the exact same time so it wouldn't be distracting. It's like Best Buy when you have multiple TVs going with the same thing. So we watched that, fell asleep to it, and uh, talked about our travels uh, throughout the world. In fact, I feel like I'm pretty well-traveled, but as far as, like, world distribution, she's been to, like, every continent. I think I think she said she's been to every continent besides Australia and Antarctica, which is freaking... That's boss status right there. Uh, she said she wants to go there and see the dolphins... Or the penguins. Speaking of animals that I love, penguins are also another animal of, of awesomeness. Uh, Morgan Freeman, a.k.a. Bruce Almighty's uh, father in heaven... Um, does a great job of talking about the March of the Penguins or whatever it is. Uh, you could fall asleep to the, to the, to the penguin thing. But that's kind of, oh, we, we traded information, so don't worry. We'll, TBD on our future interactions. Um, I already creeped on her on Facebook. I even gave her my, we talked about creeping. We talked about what it is to be a creeper. Um, we really broke down the entire creeping status. You know, I gave her some of my material and my, like, my old Facebook joke about creeping. And, um, she talked about, she brought in a term that I hadn't thought of before, which is lurkers. She feels like there's a difference between a creeper and a lurker. So I guess, like, lurkers are just, like, I feel like it's always kind of, like, it's all lumped into the same category. But lurkers are guys that, that like, don't... <laughs> Like, don't engage in conversation when they're just, like, there. To me, that's kind of, like, creepy, I, I guess, or the term. And I talked about how, you know, we've all been creeps. And it's just a matter of maturing and, and being confident in yourself and engaging and treating people like 
human beings regardless of whether or not you're attracted to them. You know, I, I think when guys are younger, they don't know how to go about some of their urges and desires. So you just like creep on girls. <laughs> you just lurk from the distance because you're like, I want to talk to her. And then you start overthinking it. And speaking of all that stuff, when we went out in Hollywood last night, my buddy, I think, appreciated the fact that I don't give in to fear. Um, and that I just, he's like, dude, you're, you're, you're not afraid of anything. Like I, I'll just go up and talk to any girl in the, in the bar. And I think that just comes from repetition of facing your fears, you know, like getting on stage and just like talking to anyone and, and not, you know, rejection that doesn't even matter whether or not you get rejected. Just be a nice guy, be respectful. Don't, if you are going to be talking to everyone, I think it's important to be respectful to everyone too. So like, it's not, it can't just be about you where you're like, Oh, I'm just going to show off cause I'm brave. And like, I can talk to anyone. It's like, it still has to be about them and the group, you know, having a good time for everyone. Um, I think it'd be kind of an asshole thing to just go around and just talk to everyone just to show off that I, that I face my fears. <laughs> you know, Hey guys, I know you guys are having a good time catching up and stuff, but I'm just going to go talk to that girl over there just to show you that I can, cause I'm brave. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a douchey rude thing to do. Um, but nevertheless, don't be afraid, you know, or, and if you are face it, and rep it, baby. Rep that mofo until fear is no longer a factor or even exists. You know, I'm sure there's... I'm not going to say there will always be new fears to conquer, but um, there's definitely um, a plethora. And you may as well start now. Anyway, happy birthday to Ryan, uh, Brian Patrick Kelly today. Um, Today's his birthday. He's in New York. We were texting, Snapchatting. I thought it was St. Patrick's Day today, but it's net week, next weekend. How ironic would that be if they were on the same day? Um, I want to go back to Brian for a second. Um, we talked. We laughed. I'm not going to do anything about that. I, one of my friends, uh, shout out to Caleb, Caleb Medley, number 48, um, was like, dude, you got to talk more about that. He listens to my podcasts when he can, and I love I love you for that, Caleb. I really appreciate it, and, and much more uh, as well. Uh, next time we see each other, maybe we can do some squats. But he's like, dude, you got to talk more about the the love triangle. Uh, I think he was intrigued by that. I can't do that right now out of respect, um, but what I will say is that I, I should have said this last weekend, Brian Kelly is the opposite of Billy Zane. So for anyone that's listened to that podcast where I went to a wedding and Tyler Schaefering's friend was Billy Zane. It was Tyler's wedding, the wedding where I chased that girl into the parking lot because Billy Zane freaking was out there trying to compete with me like a rude jerk with no respect. Basically was saying, F you, Mike. Brian Kelly is not Billy Zane. He is one of the freaking viol violinists on the Titanic. And like I said, I, I'm one for him as well, but shout out to Brian Kelly for not being a freaking Billy Zane. You know, that's how awesome you are. BK, Brian, Patrick Kelly, butterfly kink, butterfly kink B. Again, if you didn't listen to the last episode, when you rearrange, rearrange the letters of his name, uh, you get uh, butterfly kink B. So, um, So um, here's a random, a random thing. Uh, 
if you guys listened last week, I talked about Jeff Steve, and after that, after we recorded that episode, I actually texted him. I even looked him up on Facebook and found uh, the picture that Scott was talking about. Um, great picture. He looks like Braveheart. He looks like Braveheart and Anthony Hopkins in that picture. So shout out to Jeff. Uh, I might have him on. I'd love to have him on uh, in the future to talk about some of the stories that he's had uh, in the past. Um, I really look forward to having my man on the show. Um, anyway, um, Manhattan Beach here. I used to own a couple skateboards when I lived out here. Had a had a beach cruiser. Had a beach cruiser. Had a a longboard and then a short skateboard, a small skateboard. You know, the small skateboards are for like tricks and you know your standard skateboard. But the longboard was this awesome like a bamboo like just like balanced board for for long for long-term riding so you could really like ride down the boardwalk uh and cover more mileage uh, i used to ride around that thing in my man thong i had this uh, there's a helicopter if you guys uh can't hear it so i apologize for the chopper get to the chopper i i uh, i had this american flag man thong that i bought and I stopped by that store yesterday, actually. It's in Hermosa Beach. Um, to ask them if they had any other thongs. Maybe maybe a Sartreuse man thong that I can rock from time to time for the ladies when I bring them over to my apartment and do comedy for them. Um, nevertheless, I remember one day I was riding around the beach. I was either in just, like, my robe, um, which is always funny, uh, because like when you're riding like it, it flies up from time to time um, Depending on the air that you're getting the, the fluid friction believe it or not air is fluid. So I learned that in high school Science uh, they call it fluid friction even though it's just air nevertheless though the fluid friction reveals whatever's underneath the robe um, Wow this helicopter is Shout out to Dustin Ralph, by the way, who listened to my podcast last week because he was curious to know about Jeff Steve. He flies helicopters. He's a Marine. We played football together. He's the guy that I started playing football with in sixth grade. I mean, I played before that, but when I moved to Missouri. So maybe Dustin Ralph is flying that helicopter right now. Actually, he's based in Hawaii. Uh, but um, nevertheless, I was riding the skateboard this one day down this part of the boardwalk on this side, and this lady stopped me and she was an older lady uh, maybe in her late 50s 60s I don't know but I could tell first of all she's like could you give me a hand and I could tell she was you know it was just a young dude like riding around in a man thong slash robe or whatever and she you know it made her it made her her heart it was good for her heart you know what I mean gave her some exercise got her heart beating to see a, a young steed out in the wilderness like myself and i'm not trying to toot my own horn you know I, I i could tell by her i know women guys you know and i can tell when they're aroused and uh this woman was aroused by my presence she asked me to um help her carry some stuff in and uh i carried some stuff into her apartment she had some elder friends in there as well and she's like look look at what i got guys look look what i pulled in off the street the off the strand so I did the favor. You know, looking back on it, I really should have just, I should have just got naked for them, you know, um, give them a, give them a, a hoorah, you know, just give them some, something exciting. But I wasn't confident enough at that time as I am now. <laughs> now I don't, 
it's probably the right decision not to just uh, do that. But um, nevertheless, they, they we had a fun interaction. It was a good time, and uh, I wonder how I wonder how she's doing. I wonder if she's still out here. You know, uh, stuff changes, guys. You know, the world continues to move forward, right? Yesterday, Snapchat usually doesn't matter anymore. There's certain things that stand the test of time and certain things that don't, you know? Lo love, guys, love is like the only thing that will stand the test of time, bro. Everything will wash away like on the beach except love, bro. As, as silly as I'm being, that's actually, that's actually a fact. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Um, just a little bit of uh, wisdom for you there. Um... Hope that lady's doing well. She made it. She, you could tell she felt a little self-conscious. Like she would. I th she's like, ah, oh, you're like, look at the. She's like, she was like speaking in hypotheticals as to, you know, like what I was probably thinking. Like walking into that that room with the older woman. You know, she's like, oh, you're probably like, who are these geriatric women or whatever. But I was, uh, was kind of attracted to them. I mean. My Tinder, my Tinder age range is 18 to 75, so. Why is this helicopter flying in circles? Uh, Dustin, Ralph, what are you doing right now, bro? Why are you flying in circles? Was there a shark out there or something? Was there a shark sighting? I don't think so, because there's still surfers in the water. Um, I don't see the, the lifeguards going out there, but he has to be looking for something. Dustin has to be looking for something. Um... What else did I want to chat with you about? Jeff, Steve, I was going to say that one story that I wanted to tell you guys uh, is more, it's not something Jeff's did, Jeff did, but it is about him. And when I was working in Columbia, I was a, a bouncer at one point. Wow, the helicopter is getting really low to the water and it's still flying in circles. This is so weird. Never seen that before. Uh, I was a bouncer. Sorry about the background noise, if you can hear the chopper. And there's a lifeguard coming out right now. Weird. Guys, as this podcast continues to develop, who knows what kind of exciting stuff we're going to be uh, covering. Anyway, I was a bouncer and these kids tried to get in. This is when I was in college. Uh, I was a, uh, a bouncer at this uh, bar slash club, Quentin's slash Tonic. Uh, you know, Quentin's Bar in Delhi and then Tonic nightclub um owned by mike mcclung back in the day uh pretty cool spot you know we had like a rooftop bar and all that stuff which was cool for downtown columbia uh at the time especially and he owned deja vu the comedy club as well uh, he was one of the owners and this kid these kids try to get in these college kids i was a kid too and one of them just gives me his ID, and it's Jeff Steve. The ID is Jeff Steve, right? It said Jeff Steve. It was this picture. It was Jeff Steve, the Jeff Steve, not another Jeff Steve. Like, it was him, birth date, everything. I, I was like, holy shit. So when I saw it, I got excited because I was like, how do you guys know Jeff Steve uh, is what I was thinking. I was like, hey, how do you guys know Jeff? <laughs> and these fools were trying to act. They They didn't want to, like give in so i was excited that they knew jeff and i probably would have let it in i, sh I let him in i shouldn't say that because i don't want to incriminate myself on anything um but i started to get frustrated because i was like no seriously how do you know jeff like i'm good friends with jeff 
and the guys, there was like four or five of them, and they were like, hey, Jeff, how come he doesn't think you're you? <laughs> and you could tell they were kind of drunk already, like, because their eyes were like dilating a little bit slower than whatever, you know? <laughs> and they were tr they were so committed to the act, you know? They were like, dude, Jeff, like, I don't know why he does, I don't know why he doesn't think it's you, Jeff. Like, they're like throwing in way too many Jeffs, you know? And I was laughing, so I, I took their ID. Um, I took their ID, guys, um, because I was mad at them. I was mad, and uh, I may or may not have sold it back to them. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna confirm or deny that. That is kind of, if I did do that, that's kind of rude of me. I will say that. That's kind of a jerk. And if if I did, if I did or did not do that, it's also not cool that they freaking tried to lie to me. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, I would love to know how you know Jeff. So I may or may not have talked to Jeff about that over the text last weekend. <laughs> and Jeff may or may not know who that person is. <laughs> so we live in a unique full circle world, guys. Um, life's something, you know, it sure is something. You know, it's like we're all in this, like, circuit and, like, themes come up from the past and there's, like, no beginning and no end, you know? Like, what is time, bruh? All right. Um, hope you guys are having fun listening to my California comedy podcast. I should have probably had a podcast when I was living in L.A. to document some of these adventures, like living with my old roommate Colin and just all the crazy... Uh, silly stuff, you know, maybe even if I had one in, when we were in Colombia, that would have probably been cool too, you know, to actually do real time like podcasts about Mizzou football. Um, I remember when I was working at the bar that one of the most unique characters that I've ever known in my life is this dude named Kareem Washington. He was a, 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 a bouncer or a, an ID checker and he He's like a full-time ID checker. He's like in his 30, mid-30s, maybe 40 now. And that's his career. So we were doing it because we wanted to have a good time in college and like, you know, just be part of the scene and maybe make a little extra money or whatever. This dude, that's his career. Like he would go to Panama City on spring break and do um, ID checking down there. And he's got a calling card. His life calling and I'm not making fun of it I'm just I'm laughing because it's so unique and and I've never heard anyone like this he takes pride in how good he is at an ID checker so he he's always like best ID checker alive Shen and he, he's the guy I got Shen from and Doriano so he he has all these Facebook posts of people like that have been caught by him that he'll take a picture with them for some reason he'll get permission to take a picture with them and they'll be holding a sign that says something like, Kareem Washington did me dirty. He's got all these like tags, like these like calling cards or whatever you want to call them. These like phrases that nobody knows unless you know him. And he, he lives in his own world. This dude dances to the beat of his own drum, man. When he first found out that I'm a comedian, he didn't ask me any questions about me or anything. He's like, let me tell you some jokes to use in your action. Let me, t let me tell you some jokes, Sean. Hey, check this one out. And he gave me like 10 jokes. Finally, I was like, dude, I got to like go. And I just made up an excuse to leave. I didn't want to hear any more jokes, you know? Um, you know, it was, it was just all about, <laughs> he, I showed up to his house. He would hit me up all the time. Be like, hey dog, I need to go to Walmart. Can you take me to Walmart today, Shen? 
uh, and I was like, I, I was like, I took him once, I think, and he would pay me in tilapia. He would, he would give me frozen tilapia steaks or fillets, uh, and that would be like how he would get me back for taking him to Walmart. I showed up to his house. He didn't even have. He was living in the basement on East Campus uh, near the University of Missouri, of somebody's house, and he, he had a dog, no furniture. And a refrigerator with nothing in it, but in the freezer it had a bunch of frozen tilapia. Um, I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> I wonder if he's still doing the spring breaks, man. Dude is unique. I check him out on Facebook every once in a while. He still like uses. We went to the gym once and I spotted him. And he had three fifteen on the bar, so like three forty fives on each side, aka three plates, if you know weightlifting jargon. And. This dude took a picture of me spotting him and he still uses that profile photo from time to time. He recycles that picture from like 10 years ago um, of him benching that. So I don't know exactly what that means, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll talk more about him sometime. I also, another time, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give out too many gems at once because they can be undervalued uh, and, you know, it's hard to process too many tidbits at the same time as a human but at some point, I got to talk about Corey Shepker and his house and his birds and the uniquenesses uh, of some of the things that took place uh, in the Shep Rock household. So we'll save that for another time. Um, I will say that uh, speaking of, you know, keeping it with the L.A. theme and stuff, you know, in Hermosa Beach, having gone out there yesterday and. Uh, just kind of reliving some old memories. Just catching up with Chris Blackerby yesterday over the phone, and just from, it brings me back. I remember we had like a deep conversation about comedy, and we were out here on the beach and talking about how you know how long am I going to do comedy and like all these things. How long am I going to pursue the dream? And at that time, you know, I didn't know. You know, Chris was like, "You don't have to. You don't have to do it. You know, when if you don't want to, right?" Uh, and I didn't want to at, at points then. I was so heartbroken and not lost, just hurt, you know, just hurt and wanted love over, wanted the, the love with uh, with that girl that I had mentioned over, you know, my career um, with comedy and things like that. But, you know, later in, you know, he, he's a good friend is what I'm trying to say. And you never want to be a slave to your own dreams, you know, Um and I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm on this kick right now of hustling and grinding hundred percent out of the love, out of the love for it. You know, it's like I'm a, on a mission vision quest, as we talked about with Scott Ludhauser last week. Um, and you know, I'll do that as long as I feel it. Uh, I'll grind through, you know, it's not like you just do it when you want to, but, um, I'm on a mission right now, son. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying the, the pursuit um, but yeah, Chris is a good, uh, a good friend, uh, and he came out and visited me a couple times. We went surfing out here in Manhattan beach. We had Kyle came out, my friend Kyle that I mentioned earlier and had a weekend in Hermosa. We actually went deep sea fishing. Um, and we used to joke about who's tougher and all this stuff. Um, you know, yeah, Kyle and I worked together. We all worked together, uh, at one point and, uh, you know, we used to wrestle. We wrestled uh, on the clock before me and Kyle. And I remember one time we 
um, we did this deep sea fishing thing out here and we had all gone out the night before so we were all a little hungover and man that was the most miserable thing any of us have ever experienced we, the waves were choppy all of us were green at the gills uh, I'll never forget like I don't think any of us ever wanted to get on a boat again after that experience it was literally a nightmare completely the opposite of when we went to uh, go deep sea fishing in Seward Alaska with Jake Harry the wonderful Jake Harry um, who I had mentioned last last week um, yeah but that's kind of um, hey family and friends guys that's that's the only thing that matters you know when I was living out in LA I missed home a lot but what you realize is I think the things that ground you in life um, or some of the things um, at least what matters most to me again relationships the people that are close to you friends and family and that's really where home is I've lived in California I've lived in Missouri New York um, you know when people say where's your home I mean there's a little bit of my home in all those places a little bit of my heart in all those places but ultimately I think I could live anywhere probably if I could and luckily with technology and FaceTime and all these things. It's like, you don't have to be there in person all the time to be communicating. Facebook, like technology has made the world smaller. So geographical distance doesn't matter as much anymore for work. Like a lot of jobs aren't required to have offices anymore. So it's interesting how the world has been affected by technology. Um, and it also makes it less you know, less needed to move to an LA or New York to be, to be famous, really. I mean, you got these YouTubers now, when something goes viral, or you get these YouTube channels where you get all these followers, you can make money off that. You don't even need to, to move to LA or New York to get that distribution that, one, that we once needed. So the world's continuing to change. And the only thing that will last is love, guys. Remember? Remember how I said that earlier? I don't know if you remember that, but I said that love's the only thing that's going to last. When the world ends, there will be a, just a, in the sand, it will say love. Uh, <laughs> I hope the world never ends, guys. Um, we're going to have to colonize, uh, colonize some other plants if we don't take care of Mother Earth, man. But nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, when I was a kid, one of the things that I wanted to, I called it, I wanted to be a bi-coastal boss, right? I remember when I was a kid, I, like in middle school or something, I was like, man, someday I want to have a, a loft in New York and a beach house in LA, you know? So I'm not quite there, um, but I at least have access to both coasts and the, the ability to um, enjoy them when I want to. Um, you know, through hard work and everything that you do in life. I remember I was surfing with my friend Pete out here. He used to live here in Manhattan Beach. He was one of my one of my best friends uh, out here. You know, from back home. Um, and we were surfing, and uh, he uh, there's a. These guys are talking uh, about surfing. Anyway, yeah, Pete was like, Mike, uh, you know, somehow we were talking, we were like on the waves just chatting. And I was like, you know, it's funny when I was a kid, I used to take so much more control of my own destiny. But now I kind of dance with, uh, you know, I dabble between what's out of my control, letting go, and then doing the things that I can control. 
Um, I think when I was younger, one of the things that Pete told me about me, um, shout out to Pete, by the way, um, but I think he, he, he liked that I, when I was younger, I would always go big or go home with my, like, if you could attribute to a, a game of poker, he said, some people never sit at the table. Um, some people never even sit down to play, right? He said, not only do you play poker, but you go all in every time <laughs> with your chips. And I remember telling him, man, like, as I've gotten older, I, I can't do that. I can't withstand, I can't continue to go all in with my chips every time because, you know, the loss can be so devastating. So in a way, I've refined my poker game to, I'll still go big or go home, but I'll, I'll pick and choose. Uh, one of the things he taught me is you don't have to play every hand. And I think I used to do that. I used to play every single hand in life. Go big or go home. I, I just double down everything, right? Like uh, the way Austin Powers would, would play uh, blackjack. Do you remember when he's like, I'll stay? And he's like on a three. Or he's like hit me on like like 20. <laughs> um, I used to I used to let them hit me on 20. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to, what I'm, what I'm, what I am trying to, I don't know if that's the best analogy. It's a funny reference, but, um, that's what we had talked about is that I think Pete liked that, but he also taught me that I don't have to play every hand. Um, and I, it was nice to be appreciated for my, uh, my valiant, um, efforts, I guess. Um, this is the biggest difference between me now and me when I was younger is, just like I said, I, I would take fate into my own hands more. And now it's become a balance, you know, a dance between letting go of the things that I can't control. It's like surfing, you know. You can't control the waves. You can control it. You put yourself out there. You put yourself in a position. You try to conserve your energy, be one with it, um, and and get better and, and learn. Um, but you you can't control the waves and you have to go with them you have to you have to know how to adjust yourself to what's evolving there um so i think i've done a better job of, of that as i've gotten older is is making those adjustments and knowing which serves i'm gonna try to catch which which waves i'm gonna try to catch which ones i'm gonna not play that hand you know like um it's interesting stuff guys but speaking of that whole bi-coastal boss thing, uh, my friend Blair, um, Stephen Blair and his wife uh, came out to watch me uh, last weekend. You know, they live out, they actually live in San Diego. He's in the Navy. He's been with them for a long time, uh, has done a, a lot of really cool projects. And he came out to support um, with his wife. They came to watch me perform at the, the, the Village Lantern. And uh, the show was a lot of fun, and you could just hear Blair erupting with laughter and his wife. The rest of the crowd was, too. I don't want to sound cocky for being so hilarious that night, but I was. I was hilarious. Um, they, uh, they were awesome. The crowd was fantastic. So I was glad that I could give them a good show because sometimes when my friends come out, you know, it's not always perfect. There's been times where pr friends have come to, to watch, and I wanted to give them a good show, and it just didn't happen. You know, either the waves weren't big enough for me to surf that night or... You know, I, I missed it. You know, I didn't catch the wave and didn't get to leave them with that memory of me that I would have liked. You know, I want, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like for them to remember me just catching that big wave and riding that baby home, you know. 
but uh, we don't get that uh, we don't get that luxury all the time, you know. We don't get the luxury all the time, guys. You know, sometimes the wave's only two feet tall. What are you gonna do then? Um, but nevertheless, uh, it was a lot of fun to to, to have them out. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if anything else funny happened in New York this last week. You guys are like, you guys are probably like, all right, I'm turning off the podcast episode now, Mike. I'm I'm tired. You've You've talked so much. I think that I wrote down a couple of things uh, from the subway. Now, yeah, I, when I moved away from L.A., guys, it was so hard to get used to not living by the ocean anymore or at least uh, being able to surf. So now when I'm in New York, the only time I can really bring back those old memories is when I'm on the train. You know, I'll stand sideways and try to, you know, act like I'm surfing without touching anything to, to hold on. And it sucks because, you know, when you fall into the, to the ocean, you might get bitten by a shark. But when worse when you fall off the, or fall during your subway ride because you might fall into a homeless guy and uh you know get a nice big wet kiss on the on the lips um but i had a couple of weird train stories this last week uh, some guy caught me picking my nose which was kind of embarrassing i was picking my nose on the train and you can tell like i looked up because I, I was like oh shoot i'm picking my nose in public and i looked up and the dude like is smiling and he quickly looks away it's like, oh man, I hope he didn't Snapchat that, you know? It's hard to tell like when people are like doing their phones if they're like recording you or not. So I was like, oh shit, like I think I might be on Snapchat right there picking my nose. Maybe it's Facebook Live, I don't know, you know? Nevertheless though, you just never really know when somebody else is watching you is what I'm trying to say, guys. I mean, these surfers out here, they don't know that there's a guy watching them recording a podcast from this awesome white beetle whip um the other night when i got on the, i tried to walk through the subway uh gatekeeping thing i've seen i think i told you guys that i saw a dude just like going to the bathroom not long ago and just like jumps over the subway things it's like geez new york it's like a zoo man I felt like that's like that's a zoo animal thing to do you know just such a primitive thing to sit there and squat in the corner and then just like hop the thing into the subway it's like plan of the apes status if the if the apes took over um which i love apes you know i love all animals even sharks i forgive them you know the sharks can go to heaven um but anyway um i was on autopilot the other night i just ran right into the the thing where you gotta like swipe your card so you can go down into the subway i ran right into it and i just heard somebody like bust out laughing behind me so he was watching me i felt embarrassed and I, my only what i said was uh eh, autopilot you know autopilot and then i just went in that was that was our interaction but he he got a good laugh so you know i'm glad to create some humor even if it's unintentional i'll take any laugh i can get you know what i mean uh last thing i'll say about the subway is i saw this i, I passed up a potential opportunity with this girl because i didn't want to it's not about not being a creep i didn't want to scare her um, I could tell that there was a girl aware of my presence. You can tell when they are and when they're not, right? This girl was aware of my presence because she kind of was looking my way more often than not. And she went out of her way to get on the same subway car as me. It was more convenient for her. We were standing there waiting for the subway for like 10 minutes. And every once in a while we would like catch each other's eyes. And, you know, you could tell, like, you can't make too long of eye contact. You got to like play it cool or whatever, both sides. But I think she was aware and there was a mutual curiosity slash attraction. And uh, 
when I got into my car, my subway car, she got into, and she didn't like sit down even though there was a ton of seats available. She stood up, like faced my direction. Um, and here's the thing is I actually, I did say hi. I think I said, how's it going? But I don't think she heard me. There's a, there's a chance she heard me and a chance she didn't. There's a chance she heard me and was like, I don't want to interact, even though I'm just not realizing I'm coming off as if I want you to. Um, or she literally didn't hear me. And I have a feeling she didn't hear me, but I didn't want to try again and make her uncomfortable. So I let it go, guys, you know? And I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I, I think I did the right thing because... You know, rather than doubling down and saying what's up again, I didn't want to scare her, which I guess at the end of the day, it couldn't have hurt anything to try twice, you know. Um, but I, I do. It's weird. It's like mixed signals, you know. Um, nevertheless, though, I, I hope she's doing well. And I hope that the next young steed that comes into her life that there's a mutual attraction with, I hope that they uh, make sweet love together. In, in the beach, in the ocean, and that when everything washes away in the end, there's nothing but the two of them left, just in, in a big love symbol <laughs> carved into the beach, facing the heavens. <clears throat> Is that ridiculous, guys? You know what's, you know what's crazy, though? She, when she got off at her stop, I, it, it was confirmed that she was attracted to me. You know, it's all about that look back, man. When a girl looks back, you know, she was thinking about it, man. It was freaking in her head. And when I knew that, I kind of felt bad. I, I was like, man, I should have tried twice. I don't, I think she, she just didn't hear me. And she was like, if she, if she thought I said something, she was like too unconfident to like, um, she didn't know, you know, like she looked back as she was walking away. She gets out of the train and as she's walking up the stairs, she looked back and I was like, oh man, <sighs> sometimes you just got to grab fate by the horns, man. I should have. I, I mean, I, I don't feel like a regret or whatever. I was on my way to another date. Um, <laughs> I'm not a womanizer, guys. I just, I'm not a player. I just crush often, you know. Um, to me, player, a, a player is somebody that is dishonest or disingenuous uh, and plays people, manipulates them. I just crush often. I, I'll, I'll tell everyone. I'll tell any of the girls. Uh, what girls I'm interacting with and who I'm attracted to, you know, nothing, nothing's hidden from my perspective. So playing, being a player, I'm not a player. I would say a Casanova is a different, uh, a different story. In fact, my sister taught me about Casanova and she taught me that what made Casanova unique is that he learned to appreciate the beauty in every woman. Casanova, um, there's, there's beauty in, in every in everybody, I think, first of all, um, regardless, right? Um, and then there's beauty in every woman. Sometimes it's skin deep, sometimes it's not, but all of them have it. And that's what kind of helped Casson. I, I think he had that revelation, um, and that's kind of what made him Casanova, you know? So, uh, Casanova. Speaking of that, I got a free hotel this weekend, and I think it's because the lady at the front desk just liked me. We had a genuine vibe. Um, you know, I charmed her because um, she was nice, and um, she let me stay in the hotel. There was, like, some trouble at the front desk, so she's like, how about us? I was like, is there anything you can do for me since I've had a little bit of trouble? No pressure. 
It's like, how about a free night? Are you staying tonight? I was like, wow, that'd be awesome. And then when I checked out, there's a little more trouble. And she's like, it's on us. <laughs> I am not shitting you, man. I got a free hotel. I'm not even going to say because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to tell anyone where, where I stayed or anything like that. But she was very cool. And she's like, just pay it forward in the future. You know, that's what, this, that's what makes this world what it is. So it's nice when people are awesome like that. And it wasn't even a sexual, it wasn't even a sexual thing. I think it was just a, a connection. We, she's a, a nice person with a good heart. And I think she recognized that from me, hopefully. I don't know. Or she was just tremendously awesome doing a good deed. But nevertheless, she let me stay for free. And, you know, I had free breakfast there and, like, got a couple free drinks. It was nuts, dude. I am not joking either. It's crazy. And I think this dude that just walked by hit my beetle with his surfboard by accident. What a freaking goon. He's going out there to, to surf in his full bodysuit. Freaking, you know what I mean? I apologize when you smack the side of my beetle with your, with your white surfboard, you jerk. All right. Go to heaven. That guy can go to heaven. Um, speaking of going to heaven, the last thing I'll say is my roommate when I lived out here, Colin, I've talked about him several times one of the things that kind of when he first introduced himself to me he said uh, i'm a christian and i've talked about i talked about that on my 30th birthday sausage fest podcast i remember when he told me that i was like what is it that's you're just randomly throwing that information at me which doesn't happen in everyday conversation but i guess it makes sense when you're kind of like interviewing roommates um you know that's a big part of his life so we went to church a couple times together you know he'd have people over they'd study the bible um um you know he had a, a christian clique i guess you could say a community that he was uh involved with out here um and you know we go we're, we're writing back from church one day this dude's like you know not obsessed with it but like it's 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 the framework of of how he goes about life he was a virgin until he was 28 or 30 he ended up marrying his the love of his life which is freaking awesome and, and lost his virginity to to her he's got a baby now um but we we're on our way home from church once and we we're talking about something and somehow the topic of prayer came up uh, and uh he's like wait you pray <laughs> what was that some like we were casually talking i was like well yeah like what do you mean yeah i pray bro yeah. <laughs> you guys ever think frat guys pray? I heard a I heard a bit out here. I gotta turn on my car, sorry. A dude was like, uh, do you guys think Brad Pitt prays? Which is kind of the same as my joke about uh you know, frat guys praying. Um and I was like I was like uh I I do think frat guys pray. In fact when I went to church with Austin Huff uh, I went with him uh, one or, or a couple times in college, and I remember seeing some frat guys there, and I was happy. And I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" You know, like I'm I'm happy to see the frat guys secretly coming to church. You know, like it's one of those things where some of them, like, you know, I lo I love frat guys, and in no way is this uh, judgmental, but I, uh, you know, I, I can tell that the frat doesn't like advertise. You know, like, <laughs> that's not necessarily the cool thing to do back in college, if that makes sense, where the cool kids do, you know, the fraternity houses. But I knew some frat guys, uh, and I saw them secretly uh, attending church, and it gave me a boner in a good way. I mean, metaphorically speaking, um, I was excited. Um, 
that they were there. Anyway, um, you know, Colin's like, you praying? <laughs> what, what do you pray about? How, how do you do that? I was like, hang on, you don't know how to pray, bro? And I, I'm not making fun of him at all. Uh, but what I think is ironically hilarious is that this dude spends so much time showing, you know, it, it's very visible that he's such an active church type fella. But to, like, to be intrigued by how I pray, uh, <laughs> maybe that's a normal thing. I don't know. But he, he, he's, he was like, I was like, wait, do you not pray? That's the, this is the part that's intriguing and, and ironic is he's like, I, I just feel like I never have time for it. You know, I, I, I always mean to, but like, you know, I just feel like I never have time. To, I, I never have time to pray. How do you, how do you do it? I was like, you have to be shitting me, dude. Like, how can you spend all this time going to church and like ignore, honestly, the biggest, the biggest and most important thing? Um, you know, it's the one-on-one, yo. Uh, I, and, 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 you know, my answer was to, my answer to him as to how I do it is, uh, I just talked to, I talked to, uh, the divine one, uh, as if I'm talking to a person, a friend, just the way I'm talking to Colin, the way I'm talking to you guys right now, you know, um, Really, this podcast may be just a prayer, guys. <laughs> just praying out into the abyss, you know. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, I, I don't want to give away too much or come off preachy. But uh, that's my lesson for the day is, you know, just like a friend. Talk talk, just like a friend. Um, because that's what I believe it is. All right, all right. Let's get back to the normal. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you guys want to uh, impress the ladies in L.A., this is what I'll end the podcast with. If you want to intrigue girls when you're out, just say, hey, what's up? My name's Mike. I'm an agent. Are you interested in representation? It'll perk every girl's ears and make them laugh, um, especially when you're wearing what I wore last night, which is not very agent-like. I was wearing my pink, my hot pink flower hat and a, a sweatshirt underneath a T-shirt that had microphones all over it, so... I think that the girls immediately knew that I wasn't an agent. And, you know, I'm not a player, so I wouldn't manipulate or lie. Um, but I would joke. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it got a couple laughs. It got some giggles, you know? Hey, my name's Mike. I'm an agent. Do you want to be famous? Because, you know, everybody in L.A. wants to be famous. Uh, everybody in L.A. is an actor acting like an actor. Everybody in L.A is acting like an actor. They're an aspiring actor acting like an actor. But I can tell that they're not pulling it off because I've either never seen them in a movie or I can tell that they're, you know, <laughs> not a successful actor by their by the way they're acting, you know, about pretending that they're an actor. So, you know, it's all an art, guys. Being cool, it's an art. Being an actor, it's an art. Being a Facebooker, Facebook is an art, guys. Um... Anyway, it's been fun. It's been raining. Got to head over to the uh, wedding here in a little bit. And, uh, you know, shout out to, to the Beto family. Shout out to all my friends. Much love. God bless. One love. Peace. I'm going to go write love in the sand and get out of here, guys. All right. Yo. One. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny?
Guys, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but I decided to get out of my whip. I don't know if you can hear the waves, but we're out here, guys. I'm out here walking over to the restroom in my Jordans, hopefully gonna not get sand in my freaking J's. But, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode today. It was definitely fun as always. It's weird. It's the only thing I, it's the only thing that makes me randy anymore, you know? Checking out the pair over there. I remember when I used to fly out of LAX, I could look down. Actually, when you leave LAX, you can look down and see where I used to live. To your left. If you're on the left-hand side of the plane, you can see the area where Michael Oldroyd used to surf and play beach volleyball with his weird roommate, Colin.